0: Josh McDowell, in his book Evidence It Demands a Verdict, stated, The Bible has withstood vicious attacks of its enemies as no other book. Many have tried to burn it, ban it, and outlaw it from the days of Roman emperors to present-day communist or Islamic-dominated countries. Infidels for 1,800 years have been attempting to refute and overthrow this book, and yet it stands today solid as a rock. Its circulation increases. And it is more loved and cherished and read today than ever before. Infidels with all their assaults make about as much impression on this book as a man with a jackhammer would on the pyramids of Egypt. Yet, many people say, are you really going to believe and govern your life by that dusty ancient book? Are you really going to live by a book that contains so many intolerant, politically incorrect and harmful to society teachings join us today as we take this time to stop and think about it
1: hello hello anybody home i don't think McFly. think i'm thinking i'm thinking what were you thinking i'm trying to think but nothing happens didn't say anything now just think about it you're listening to stop and think about it a podcast for the Christian thinker in a day when sound biblical preaching has been replaced by man-centered entertainment and the church has become increasingly anti-intellectual. This podcast will encourage believers to think biblically and theologically. So please join me as we get ready to stop
0: and think about it. Greetings, friends and foes, saints and sinners. Welcome to another episode of the Stop and Think About It podcast. And today we continue to examine what is Reformed Theology. And so today our topic will be, what is Reformed Theology, part two. And we're going to look at the linchpin of Reformed Theology, which is none other than Sola Scriptura, and to unpack this, we have to touch on several items today. And Some of those items we're going to touch on today will be looking at history, the inspiration of Scripture, inerrancy, the infallibility, the pers- perspicuity of Scripture, and other aspects of Scripture. Because really, if you look at anybody's statement of faith on their website, as far as a church, it always most always begins with the Bible. It doesn't start with God. It starts with the Bible. And, Glenn, why do you think that is?
2: You're looking at everybody's website? I'm not sure about that.
0: Well, not everybody's website. I'm sure there's some that don't even use the Bible. You know, maybe somebody in Texas that has a shampoo model-looking hair and shiny teeth.
2: Now, now I do know that there are some people who th- say they see Jesus on a regular basis, and they're they're getting visions and dreams and prophecies. But for most... <laughs> A majority of Christians, the Bible is the only thing that we have um that ties us directly to god it's 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 God's um instruction manual for us um telling us what the gospel is, how it looks and and what um what a, a believer looks like. so that's why I think it's the main thing, even though we misinterpret it greatly,
0: yeah, because if you start with God, how do you know you're starting with the right God if you don't start with the Word of God, which He gave us?
2: that that's so true and and i i know that when i was searching for a church that's that's i think i talked about it last podcast is that you know the confessions the creeds all those things were were things that i was trying to match up with what i was reading in scripture and i was saying okay this is this seems like it or this doesn't seem like it it's kind of there's no other way really to 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 tell
0: right right and so last time in reformed theology part 1 we Covered Reformed theology as being Calvinistic, covenantal, confessional, using catechisms and creeds. Um, So, this uh, five finger discount we called it. But today, again, our focus is going to be on sola scriptura um, because we can only know God through general revelation as we look at creation. But to know God in a saving way or a salvific way, a redeeming way, this can't happen apart from scripture. It only happens through scripture by the word of god and really you can't get to any other doctrine and you can't get any other doctrine correct without starting with scripture and we Uh, know there's a slew of people every time there's a problem in the world something going on they start with experience over scripture
2: all i want to know is i just want to let everyone know that i did not subscribe to five finger discount that we is is a (laughs) statement that i think he's returning to his family or something uh it wasn't with me um
0: i thought you were french (laughs)
2: <laughs> no, definitely not. No, no, we, oui, no we. Oui. Montego anyway,
0: Bay isn't in France, huh? no, nah, no, nah, 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 nah.
2: <laughs> no, definitely so, not. Definitely not. But I, I, I have to a hundred percent agree. And you know, to be honest with you, as if you listen to any of our podcasts, that's the linchpin, scripture, and that's the basis of this podcast. Is we are saying this is what scripture says. We're saying this is not our opinion. This is what Scripture is saying here, 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 and here. You can disagree with our interpretation, and we definitely encourage you to question um, things that we say based on Scripture. But if it's outside of Scripture, I, 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 it's a different podcast, and it's a it's a different standard than what we have held ourselves up to.
0: Yeah, I think the Bereans said that with Paul, and if somebody can question Paul by using Scripture— Certainly, we can anybody can be questioned with using scripture,
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely but i I think I think the real question is why is it so important? I think you have to listen to the last podcast where we said that you know we talked about the Calvinistic, um but it and the covenantal, which once again grounded in scripture, but it's this idea of the confessional, the catechisms, and the creeds, all those things are built on this idea that. The interpretive of Scripture, what's the proper interpretation of Scripture? Without those things, without that reference, you can believe whatever you want. There's there's no guide rail, you know? And I know today we we, we argue about what's marriage, what isn't marriage, what's a gender, what's not gender. And we can look outside and see what kind of a chaos that brings.
0: Yeah, that would be true. That would be true. Well, before we dive into those other aspects, I think it's very important for us to uh, kind of reach back into history. Because, Genesis. Well, not that far <laughs> back, but yes, that 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 would be the ultimate reach. Uh, ultimately, that you know, God said, "Let there be light." So it's mm. the Bible starts with the word of God. The Bible starts with God speaking. So, wait, wait, wait. Um, so
2: talk about Martin Luther King, my favorite Luther, or?
0: <laughs> not king the okay. original martin luther the one oh, who, oh, not the name yeah, the one who martin luther king jr was named after but okay. certainly didn't follow in the footsteps of not as at, at least for as far as theology is concerned not at all <laughs> not at all um so martin luther was uh w- one of the People who really was used by God to spark the Reformation, uh he was a former Roman Catholic priest and was awakened by God's truth by reading Scripture. What? Not by, yeah, not by looking at statues and things like that. He didn't have. He didn't have a feeling relicsed, one day. Well, he might have had a feeling, but I don't <laughs> think that led to a salvation.
2: <laughs> right, 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 um, right.
0: Yeah, and so he reads Romans one sixteen. And it says, the just shall live by faith. Mm. And uh, our audiovisual guy, Dan, we call him MacGyver in the church. Uh, he describes God as using this verse in Romans 1.16, the just shall live by faith, to sort of unlock Luther's mind. And I've always appreciated uh, Dan's little uh, personal cliche. That was one cliche I didn't create myself, man. I, but, what am but, I you're, but, you're,
2: but you're definitely going to use it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm stealing his thunder. (laughs) So um, the Protestant Reformation had as a goal to reform the church back to biblical theology. And instead of Roman Catholicism submitting to that, um, they decided to kind of cast that off. And to illustrate, I kind of think of it like uh, taking clay that had been molded in the wrong way and thus trying to make it into a pot instead of. A lamp. Remember those old lamps that you look at in um, maybe biblical archaeology, and they would, you know, put the oil in and then shine the light from that lamp. Um, it would seem that the reformers were trying to remold the pot into a lamp. God's original blueprints. But instead of the Roman Catholics leaders um, having their minds unlocked to see the truth, they took the clay pot, put it quickly in the kiln so it hardened so it no longer could be uh, remolded into the right shape.
2: When you say kiln, you mean fire, right?
0: Yeah, fire. Some of us
2: wasn't there in the biblical times. I just got to make sure we 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 break that down, and, and 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 that's exactly true. And I think and I think one other quick illustration, if anyone knows about Martin Luther, um, the original Luther, is one of the things that always struck me with him is that he went to the Vatican, you know, as a young priest, and he's you know he sees all this, um, money, the poor people going to relics, and. You might think that's an experiential thing, but what was a stark difference for him was that what he was reading in scripture and what he was seeing didn't match. That's what caused the issue. It wasn't that he was, oh, this looks wrong. It's like, this doesn't match what the scripture I've been reading says.
0: Yeah, because in Roman Catholicism, they were giving out a piece of paper called an indulgence Mm -hmm. to somehow rescue people from this... Uh, fantasy island place called Purgatory, which doesn't exist because if it did, it's a place of purging and that means what Jesus did on the cross was not enough when he said it is finished and he paid for all the sin of all of his people at all times and and put you know paid the sin debt because then it would still need to be purged away. So it really smacks in the face of uh, Solus Christus, which we'll hopefully cover at another time. But Luther, he stands before the Diet of Worms, which was not a literal... Uh, uh, uh,
2: Diet Diet of Worms.
0: Oh, excuse me. You're getting your German on. I like that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> gotta get it right. Gotta get, gotta it, right. get it right. We don't want to <laughs> we don't wanna literally um our listeners going around telling people that, yeah, Pastor Phil told me it's diet of worms. No, <laughs> Diet of Worms.
0: <laughs> yeah, that that's not a nutrition plan, right? Diet of worms. <laughs> but the um he, he stood before these men as sort of a doctrinal trial, I guess I would call it. Mm-hmm. And he's called to recant of his biblical writings. And he utters the famous words when he says, unless I am convinced by scripture and plain reason, I do not accept the authority of the popes and councils for they have contradicted each other. My conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot, and I will not recant. For to go against conscience is neither right nor safe. God help me, Amen. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, what resolve to stand before those who were considered the bosses of theology?
2: Now, now the part of the story that really with story part of what truly happened that that inspires me is that they they ask him and he said you know let me let me think about this for a little. <laughs> you know and i think that adds to even more to the courage because it wasn't like brash didn't didn't consider the consequence he right. realized hey this could be my death it could be the death of my family my friends this could cause this could be everything for me he said let me think about it went back prayed and inside of himself got the courage from God to 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 stand before them and say this statement which I think it makes it even more powerful because it's not accidental he wasn't just he's like okay I'm staking my life on this and I know it's my life but once again could, and he wasn't saying hey I'm 100% correct and everything I say is right and I he said you have to convince me by scripture and plain reason and that's the argument we're making and that's the reformed position and it's hard, I think, to fight against that when we're saying, convince me my scripture and plain reason.
0: Right, right. And I think that uh, Luther probably had a thought in his mind um, that is the title of our podcast. Perhaps he had to stop and think about it. Still are. <laughs> because really, I mean, it, he was thinking like, this is going to be a heavy cost. Am yeah. I willing to pay the cost? So I, I don't think he questioned whether he was right or wrong, but rather was he willing to put his neck out on the line and perhaps literally because, you know, I mean, that's the kind of thing that they did with uh, people who went against the establishment. Uh, Their neck was literally on the line and they can just uh, remove the head from the shoulders. (laughs) Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, Luther was adhering to the first of the five watchwords Which were embraced by early Protestants Namely, sola scriptura And it was Joel Beakey who wrote Protestants taught that the Roman Catholic Church Held scripture captive And I found that very interesting I, I really liked that choice of words um, Withholding it from the lay people And thus keeping them in bondage To church councils, bishops, schoolmen, canonists, and allegorists for interpretation. And man, uh, I thought those were some powerful words, uh, people taking the scripture captive. It's like they're trying to chain it up, but in the scriptures it says the word of God cannot be chained.
2: Now, now, before we jump on, and I, I'm always the one telling you to keep the time, but I, I just couldn't let it pass. You have to understand, let's paint a picture, that before Luther, before the Reformed theology, which, I, which some people today think is silly and oh, and, and, and I'm against it, and I don't believe in, in Calvinism. Before that, the regular everyday person like you and me was not allowed, was not able, could not even read the Scripture, even if they got it in their hands. They were not able to read the words of the Bible. They, Whatever the Pope and the, the, the priest, and the priests, let, let's go even further, the priest who were teaching did not, a lot of them did not know how to read. The fact that Luther could read it was was a revelation. He made him a head and shoulders above most priest at that time. And so to say scripture was held captive is not an understatement. And to say that the importance of what he did, the importance of what escalated after that, the fact that we can have discussions, there's no sola scriptura at that time because no one, the majority of people could not read it. One of the things that kind of, exploded after that was the changing the language into the vernacular changing the language into the common man and so i think you started off the podcast by talking about how many people have died and suffered for this and this is probably one of the most important podcasts we're going to talk about because i think it's common sense but i don't think people really understand how magical not magical but how how um, God inspiring it is that we actually have this book on phones, te- you know, books, t shirts, and all over the place where, because before that, a lot of people were not even able to be given this inspiration that Luther had, which was to, able to read the scripture to hear that um, th- those words.
0: Yeah, and because that language would be Latin, and if you couldn't read Latin, imagine going to church everything is said in Latin and you have no clue what's being said, but you're supposed to walk away feeling like God spoke to you.
2: <laughs> I, I, I couldn't even say solo Christus properly last time. So imagine me having to read the entire book in Latin.
0: I know. And that's after I prayed for you, man. I don't understand.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Not long enough, brother. Uh,
0: yeah, I, these things can only happen by prayer and fasting. But um, yeah. And so really this understanding things historically is very important because many. Uh, modern day churches today, they don't reach back to the time of the Reformation, even though they consider themselves to be Protestant churches, actually have more aligned with Rome, with Roman Catholicism, than they do with actual Protestant Reformed theology. And they, so
2: they, they usually keep a lot of the the same things and just change the name of them. Like rather than baptism, they have uh, um, what do you call it? Um, Different ceremonies for the same thing. You, have to, you wet the baby up, and then you say blah, blah blah. It's the same process, same. Let's call it something different. Now uh, we, we're we're we're, prote- we're Protestants, okay? You know,
0: whatever works for you. Right, right. But I mean, there's a whole host of people that consider themselves to be Protestants that actually do not agree with what actually happened in the Protestant Reformation. So they're Protestant in name alone. But um, as we look, as we continue on. Uh, to be reformed, reformed theology is to believe in the inspired word of God. And this is not, you know, you mean, you mean like you mean,
2: you mean like a muse? You mean like, uh, like how some of these songs are written today and they're like, oh, she inspired me by her beauty? Is that what you mean?
0: No, 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 not at all.
2: Oh, okay. Because I was like, <laughs> this is a different podcast than I was expecting.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, not that kind of inspiration. So when we think about inspiration, it's not per se a verbatim uh Dictation, but rather the Holy Spirit guided human authors while preserving their different personalities and not violating their personalities and their writing styles. And so they wrote without error the exact thoughts and words of God. And so what we have, they wrote what we need to know to live for God and to please the Lord. And many people in t- today's day and age, they actually consider part of the Word of God that it doesn't even matter. And that will be the old Testament. So we have uh, 39 books in the old. How can you just like discount the right side of the book? Um, I'm sorry, the left side of the book, which is one third of the Bible. You can't just only look to the right side of the book, but we have to look at the whole thing. And so it's all inspired because the Bible actually uses the phrase, thus says the Lord over 400 times. I think God's trying to say something if he says something that many times. And so God spoke through writers, prophets, uh, apostles, and so on and so forth. And He did so through dual authorship. Do you, you want to tell everybody what that is?
2: Yeah, basically, it's it's the human and the divine. So it's it's God, God's will, God's what God is is inspiring them to do. And so we say inspiration is is not dictation. So an example, because you went through a bunch of things, is if you're reading the New Testament, right and you read paul it's very very difficult to mix him up with peter first peter second peter because it's a different author the different choice of words a different emphasis another great way to see it is matthew mark and luke right matthew emphasizing um the Jewishness of Christ the, the 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 fulfillment of prophecy Luke more of a historian doctor and, and he's 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 spending more time making sure that we see the historicity of it how it all fits together and John who's saying this is God God in the flesh and so preach it the the, em- the emphasis is different and so but they they don't contradict John is not saying something different from what Ma- Matthew is saying so God is able to express himself through the author, using their language, their speech patterns, and their history to express a truth that covers the old and the new. They don't contradict themselves at all. We're going to talk about that a little bit more later. But it's a dual authorship. Right? Yeah,
0: and I think the watershed text would be Second Corinthians three, sixteen. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, or yours might say, breathed out by God mm-hmm. and profitable for teaching or doctrine, for reproof, or correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work. And so what you notice is here, when this was written at the time, there was no New Testament. All they had was the old testament. So this was specifically Referring to the Old Testament, and I would say by default the words of Christ, because Christ uh, had already spoken, and these things here, uh, the epistles, and so on and so forth, were being written, and so by implication it does stretch to the to the New Testament as well. It's not that we're saying that the New Testament is not Scripture, because it certainly is Scripture.
2: And, and you can go to you can also go to Second Peter three sixteen, where where Peter is giving a a, a kind of a uh, commendation to Paul saying, I know his letters are hard to understand, and people who are ing- ignorant and untaught twist them. And he's saying, He's saying that scripture too. Yes. They're kind of saying that scripture.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so, not only is God's word inspired, but it's also an errant. And I've heard it said to err is human, <laughs> not divine. And so God's writing of scripture results in perfect accuracy.
2: In, in the original language.
0: In the original language, yeah. in the original autographs. So, you know, I've heard so many people say, you know, listen, I could just write a book and, you know, I can make it a bestseller too. And, you know, the Bible's not all that. Um, <laughs> Wrong. Yeah. but and, and their issue is that men wrote the Bible. And so I simply asked them, can men write true things? Right? Yes. I mean, this is logic. Can men write true things, right? So yes. men wrote your birth certificate. Men have written your checks. And and so you have documents with your name on it, things that men have written. When you go to a doctor's appointment, they give you a diagnosis. And so men have written those things. So you can't say because men wrote the Bible, then it's apparently wrong because everything written has been written by men. So then you can't read anything.
2: And 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 for the people who are modern day snowflakes. He means mankind.
0: Yes, women, yes, women,
2: mankind. women included.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't have something written, you know, uh, without a human being writing it.
2: Correct. Correct. <laughs> Correct. 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 And 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 it would be strange. And and I know that we also have the emphasis of the 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 tablets where God specifically wrote, and we understand that. Right. But he. We talked about the, the the dual authorship before. It's God's will, his purpose that it be done that way.
0: Yeah. And so illustration, I hope this is not a weak illustration, but if I asked you, have you ever written anything, you would say, of course, I've written something. Now, was it you who wrote it or was it your pen or your printer that wrote it? Well, it was your pen, right? It was your printer, but it was your mind that. Put the intelligence into what was coming out of the pen and what was coming out of the printer. So the finished product was your mind. It wasn't the pen Pens don't write by themselves, and printers don't print by themselves. It, well,
2: it depends. It, it does depend on the quality of whatever. Like I, I won't necessarily claim some of the things I've written until <laughs> until I see the. I, I, I would like to blame some of it on the typewriter and the computer. Okay, <laughs> word be adding some words in there. You know.
0: Right. Like, well, yeah. I'm mean, that. That would. Yeah, there are typos, but, uh, mm-hmm. but someone had to type for there to be a type O, <laughs> and
2: and 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 then like, can you elaborate a little bit on what does it mean to be in error, to be without error in the script? Because because are we talking about you know how? You know, between Matthew and Mark and Luke, some passages refer, and some people say they were two women, and some people say that the tomb was open and that there was a cloth on the tomb. Right, and, right. You know, are we talking about that error? Because that's what, they, that's what people think of when they say error. Right, like right. Like there's an sure. error in the Bible. Oh, like, you know, one of my favorite ones before you even start is Genesis. And they're saying, hey, did anyone ever notice that in chapter one, it said this thing? And in chapter two, it's yes, it was on purpose,
0: right, right. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's,
2: it's not an error. It was written to see the bigger view and yes. then a more closed-up view. But I'm telling you, people, read it. What do what do you think? What do you what are you saying? That's different from what these people are saying.
0: Right. So the even when you look at Genesis 1 and 2, Genesis 1 is like the headline in the newspaper, and Genesis 2 is the details that tells us what's going on uh, mm-hmm. amidst the headlines. And then <clears throat> when you hear things like, well, there was there two angels at the tomb or just one angel? Because this one said there were two angels, and this other one said an, an angel spoke. Well, that's not a contradiction. If I said there were two people over here, and then Glenroy came over and said, uh, "One of the people spoke, or a person spoke." That doesn't discount the other person. It's just saying that one spoke. So there's no contradiction there. So there were two there, and only one of them spoke. Yeah. So there's I, no I, problem there.
2: Right. And 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 I and I think you we 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 say what they what they say is there's some things that can be misinterpreted or some things that require some study to clarify sure. yes, that's a different than an error, but I'm just saying um and I think we 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 talked about it before and we're going to talk about it in a few about the fact that and no let's let's talk about it now, just about the fact that you, we talked about that it was written by men that it was written by yes. mankind. How many authors w- were involved in this, right?
0: Well, you had over forty authors on mm-hmm. three continents, three languages, fifteen hundred mm-hmm. year time span. Mm-hmm. Imagine if I just took ten people, just from the street you live on and the street I live on, mm-hmm. and and I said, "All right, how do you all feel about abortion? What do you think about homosexuality? Um, well, what do
2: you think about the president's speech?"
0: Right. <laughs> you know. You, you think know? everybody's going to just agree? Everybody's going to just line up with each other?
2: Not even agree or line up. They're not even going to remember it exactly the same. Like the some are gonna say he said he's against it. Some are gonna say he's for it. So, and the, right. and, and and you'd be like, wait, how can you even like? Do we, we watch the same speech? Right. They used to do that with President Trump. They used to do that with President Obama. It, depending on what your 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 skin in the game was, you would interpret the thing that was said either a negative or a positive. You would f- see see intentions in what was done, and I think I do that as well. So you can't. But guess what? What happened with the Bible? <laughs>
0: All the authors agreed with each other. So whether you had somebody was a shepherd or a king, whether it was times of war, times of peace, uh, whether you were writing on a mountain or writing down in a valley. um, And even if you wrote at different times, you know, this Moses wrote over here. And then a thousand years later, you know, Peter's writing. um, They they didn't disagree. They didn't contradict each other. I mean, this is amazing. Absolutely.
2: E- even, even, if they, even if you can say the New Testament guys knew what the old t- uh, it, it's not possible to, to to not be in error or contradict in any way. And I think that that's that's one of the points, right? It it fit together like a puzzle, right? You know, God had one plan and it was building up and he reached this point. And and even Jesus extemporaneously is is matching what the old testament said.
0: I love when he uses those big words, <laughs>
2: <laughs> and so that's that's one of the that's one of the things that you know, the fact that men wrote it. If you want to make the argument we just talked about, well, oh, it's an error because men wrote it. Well, this this one example matches so perfectly that it kind of de- it, 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 you made the case that it's impossible for a man alone, and forty authors different different circumstances different upbringing different locations different times different 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 motivations could could so align with each other that's actually making the case for dual authorship for a a a, a continuation of from genesis on
0: yeah and so just as an aside but not an aside Um, when you think of like the Quran and when you think of like the book of Mormon and other writings, it's just one man who claims that he heard from God and wrote this thing. And so there's no eyewitnesses. There's only one person saying it's true. There's 40 authors that are all collaborating with each other. Um, and so, I mean, if you have 40 people saying this is what happened in this car accident, I mean, there's so much more believable, you know, when you look through the lens of like forensics and things like that. I mean, the Bible passes the smell test, and these other books, they simply don't.
2: Now, now, this might be an aside, but also one of the things, when you're reading Acts, and, and, and it starts explaining that, hey, th- th- this is something that had 500 witnesses. This is something that—and and, and, and they preface it by saying, you have seen and have heard, and, and you know— And it had a hundred years for it to be there and for people to say, "Nah, that was wrong, that didn't happen. And most people at the time did not dispute what was said that happened. There might have been a dispute about whether he rose again, but there wasn't a dispute about his healings. It wasn't a dispute about the the things that were written in the, we can't go back to the Old Testament, that's a little bit too far. But there is very little dispute about the fact that Jesus lived because there were no, there was no one there saying, "Hey, that didn't happen," and they could have very easily written something saying that didn't happen. Today, by the t- by, the time we, we we press send on this uh, podcast, you might have fifty detractors saying that we're wrong. Th- same thing could have happened then. I think this is an example of ex- showing that it is an error that there was something to this, where a me- where someone can write the Book of Mormon, and in that. They're errors. (laughs) You know, the Quran, they are errors. They're things where they completely contradict themselves.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, like uh, Christians believe the Trinity is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Quran references the Trinity as the Father, Son, and Mary. Christians never have believed that. So, I mean, you know, Muhammad clearly didn't understand biblical Christianity. Mm -hmm. So there's a tremendous uh, error there in the Quran. But... Um, i know people get offended at that and when you speak about the detractors uh we would encourage you send this to some of your non-christian friends uh, two things will happen one they might not be your friend anymore no <laughs> well or, that's or were they ever <laughs> or were they ever but uh you'll help our listening audience go up but really what we hope is that they might stop and think about it they might really consider um kind of if they have had some of these fallacies as the reason why they discount scripture, that perhaps this will challenge those fallacies and maybe at best leave a stone in their shoe, which is, you know, they walk around and it's uncomfortable to walk in the notion that they believe because what they believe has no credibility to it whatsoever. And what we're saying right now is the Bible is completely credible uh, even if Glenn, Roy, and I were not even alive, the Bible is credible with or without us. I mean, it doesn't need us to be credible.
2: Now, and one thing, a lot of people don't know my conversion story, but one of the things that happened was I literally just sat there and read the Bible. And this inerrant, this coherent, this thing that seemed to just march along from Genesis on, just, it just spoke to me. Right. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more, but it, it, it I could read it. And intellectually, even before my heart was changed, say, this makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: And Th- just like Luther, he just read. He didn't have anyone evangelizing to him in the way that we would. He's reading scripture. That's how powerful scripture it is. It's, it doesn't require anyone to even explain it to you.
0: It is it is powerful. It is powerful. And so the doctrine of inerrancy doesn't mean that we understand the Bible completely or without any difficulty, but when all the ain't, facts ain't, ain't are known. Ain't that the truth.
2: Ain't that the <laughs> truth. We, yes. I'm still studying it and wondering and calling and asking and checking, and I sh- I'm sure some of you are.
0: Yes, yes. But you know, when all the facts are, are known and it's co- correctly interpreted, uh, there's no mistakes in Scripture and and inerrancy and, and inspiration they kind of go together hand in hand because a divine source must produce and demand that there's no errors in the product which results from his hands and from his words.
2: Okay, so so I got inerrancy, I got inspiration. It, it, what's infallibility? That's another term that's thrown around all over the place. What, what does that mean?
0: So, infallibility is that the Bible is completely trustworthy. Mm. Now, we've all have relationships with people and we found some of them to be untrustworthy and perhaps uh, you and i have uh, could fit into that category at times where we've not been you know kept our word
2: yeah uh, pastor phil and the puritan thomas vincent summons this up by saying that the scriptures are that the scriptures are true is evident because they are the word of god who is a god of truth and cannot lie who can who can as soon cease to be god to be true
0: yeah and so god himself is the author and he is completely trustworthy and so all that he says must be trustworthy because god cannot lie he's actually incapable of lying for god to lie would for be for god to cease to be god
2: Mm -hmm. yeah It, it doesn't make sense you know to lie is to deceive; is to hide something. It was just not necessary. <laughs> what can we do to him? <laughs> every, every everything he says is truthful and is honest. And and I and, and I had I spoke to a young lady recently who was having difficulty with the the Bible, and it was just it was it, it, she wasn't questioning the truthfulness of God; she just didn't think it was fair, you know. And I'm like, it doesn't have to be fair. It, it, it's it's what he says, you know. Right?
0: Yeah. We don't want the fairness of God because the fairness of God sends us all to hell. If God were fair, He would give us what we deserve. And uh, we need grace. We need grace. Mm-hmm. And so there's this false belief that some people even believe that uh, John Calvin held uh, to a fallible and errant Bible. And um, nothing could be uh, further from the truth. Um, and that infallibility was invented by Francis Turretin, a German-Italian reform scholastic theologian. But um, really, Calvin, in his own words, proclaim... There is such a perfection in the word of God as that nothing can be found therein, but all purity and sincerity, and to be so infallible a truth. We, that is infallible. Unbelievable. So, I mean, I think it's very clear. uh, Anybody that thinks that Calvin didn't believe that scripture uh, was infallible. Yeah, you could just take a back seat now. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely, and and I just want to let's go back, piggyback, because sometimes we we'll, we go off. I w- I want to define it again. I'm I'm am i di- I'm the dictionary here. Okay, so to be an errant means to be without error, right? While being infallible means it's incapable of error. Yes, these, these are some fighting words right here, right? We're staking everything that we believe in on this book, and for two thousand plus years, more than two thousand, right? It it has stood the test of time.
0: Right. Right. And I mean, we have people that swear by Google, but but Google said, right. But (laughs) Wikipedia said Google's wrong. (laughs) But, you know, but what's funny is, uh, didn't humans put things and create Google? And isn't that human words that they're reading? So we, you know, we we can't question Google, but we can question a document that has survived. And I mean, throughout all of antiquity. I mean,
2: there's let, no let, comparison. I got, I got to disagree. You, you not gonna, you leaving Google alone. Google right now <laughs> could shut us down. You better stop that. <laughs> Google, he's not talking about you. He's just talking about general. No, I, I def, I definitely agree, and I think one of the things we wanted to talk about how. about scripture is that it's providentially preserved, right? God has preserved his word throughout the ages and will continue to do so. And, and it's been under under attack. And I think um, Luther was a good example of that, where for uh, many, many, many generations, people were not even able to read it. People were telling them, you don't need to read it. I'm going to tell you what this says here. And then they were singing songs. And to this day, I had a, I had a, a young, a gentleman, my jo- older than me, I couldn't say young, but an older gentleman at my job who says, you know what? He's a Greek Orthodox. He said, you know what? My favorite part is when I go there and I hear like the stories, like the, the lost son and, and, and the lost son, you know, the lost, coin, he made it sound like it was like, like high text, like, you know, something that he, it was, it was, it was a joy to hear. And I'm like, you're not reading your Bible every day and it was and it was it wasn't every sunday where we get to hear a sermon and we hear it's it's like it was every 6 7 months hmm. and it, it's sad but it still happens today now that's not scripture being taken away from them is that they just don't
0: read it yeah that would be true yeah that would be true and so it is something that god has preserved his word down through the ages, and he'll continue to do so um, until Christ returns. He said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And so there's no way for someone to like erase the word of God. And even during um, the time of the Protestant Reformation, they tried to get rid of Luther's Bible uh, or Luther's Bibble, if I said that right, <laughs> when he translated it in, into German. It wasn't German enough, but it was close. It wasn't German. <laughs> um, and so they they couldn't get rid of it. And then from there, obviously, it went and it was translated to English and then French and so on and so forth. And now it is the book translated into more languages than any other book in the globe. Yeah,
2: yeah. But but passive possible. Okay. Once again, I know I gotta be the one to bring it from the other side. Uh oh. But I grew up a little different than you. I don't know what you were doing. But what about
0: the Holy Spirit, man? Come, the, the, the Scripture alone? What about the Holy Spirit? Well, the Holy Spirit was absolutely involved in Scripture. The, the Holy Spirit's the author of Scripture.
2: Oh, um, okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, well it's done. That's all I wanted to hear. <laughs> <laughs> so um, many that are non-reformed, especially those of the Pentecostal charismatic persuasion, um, uh, they believe or hold to uh, that many of the Reformed Presbyterian, Reformed Baptist um, ilk would, uh, they don't have the Holy Spirit, you know? And, uh, you know, such as like how could Jonathan Edwards preach centers in the hands of an angry God and people are in repentance and yet there was no the Holy Spirit. So, you know, I mean, I know that it's not the, the kind of the hype and the emotional thing, um, but, uh it's it's not that the Pentecostal and charismatics have hijacked the Holy Spirit by any way, shape, or form. Um yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, and, and,
2: and basically, basically they're they're focusing on experience. They're big time, big time. They're big focusing time. on feelings and you know nothing more than feelings. Yeah, you know, and right. it, 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 it 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 has to be backed up by something.
0: Yes, yes and,
2: and, and, and I'm telling you, I've I've seen reformed people cry. I've seen reformed people be touched by a song. Um you know, overcome by 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 the the Holy Spirit in the sense that they feel its attachment to God it has nothing to do with that. It's it's that is that that experience, whatever that momentary experience, is not what's going to bring you through persecution. It's not what's going to bring you through the difficulties and the tough things of life. Because the minute you don't feel it, you're going to say, "I wonder where God is." We never have that question. It's, right. it's 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 on us to go to Scripture. To have to hear from God what we need to do to proceed, as opposed to saying, well, if I don't feel it today, well, that must mean something is wrong with my walk. No, something's wrong with your walk because you're not going to Scripture to see where you stand.
0: Yeah. And so where others have a high view of traditions, such as Roman Catholicism or a high view of experiences such as Pentecostalism. Uh, God's word doesn't contradict itself like the popes, the councils, and other men and women all throughout the ages who claim, I've heard a word from God. Um, No, not at all. And and we're not saying that uh, those of the Reformed persuasion um, don't have experiences with the Lord. I mean, we certainly do. Uh, It's just through scripture. We read the scripture, it breaks us, it convicts us, it encourages us. Um, it 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 opens us up like a can of worms and it shows us what we look like in truth. So it's not that there is a divorcing of experience uh, once you use scripture, but the scripture is what drives the experience and we don't want to just be led by our experiences. So those that say, just follow your heart, I mean, that is the worst advice that could possibly be given because the Bible says, the heart is deceitfully wicked above all. Else who can understand it, and so why do I want to follow something that can be so easily deceived? The Word of God it can't be deceived, it can't be messed up. I mean somebody can misinterpret it, but there's nothing wrong with the Word of God itself now, so, now
2: now 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 before, before we jump on it's and and also we have to understand that we talked about how you know scripture can be a little difficult and we're not saying it's completely understandable but with not well one of the things that help us to understand it the difficulties and the complexities and the paradoxes is the holy spirit the the bible bible tells us that it's spiritually discerned and that it's only through the holy spirit the holy spirit is telling us about christ yeah, absolutely it's what's marrying everything to us. So I'm going to real quick I'm going to I'm going to read I'm going to read something. Finally I'm going to get involved. Come on From now. 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith, right? Yes. 1 The Holy Spirit, the Holy Scripture, is the only sufficient, certain, and infallible rule of all saving knowledge, faith, and obedience. Although the light of nature and works of creation and providence do so far manifest the goodness, wisdom, and power of God as to leave men inexcusable, yet are they not sufficient to give that knowledge of God and His will which is necessary unto salvation. Therefore, it pleased the Lord at sundry times and in diverse manners to reveal Himself and to declare that His that his will unto his church and afterward for the better persevering per, preserving and propagating of the truth and for the more sure establishment and comfort of the church against the corruption of the flesh and the malice of satan and of the world to commit the same holy unto writing which make it the holy scriptures to be most necessary these those former ways of God's revealing his will unto his people being now ceased uh, that was a mouthful
0: that was a mouthful. that was a mouthful, you know and at the end we see those former ways of God's revealing His will unto his people being now ceased. It doesn't mean that God's will is not revealed, right? but there's no further revelation. Now we have inspiration from the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so or actually, I should more correctly say, illumination. Better word, illumination. So you walk into a dark room, you're tripping over everything, and then someone hands you a flashlight, you shine the flashlight, and you see all the furniture in the room. The, the light didn't create the furniture, it just illuminated what was there. And so that's what the Spirit of God does. It illuminates what's in the scriptures, but as well, we still need to study, obviously, because if somebody says, oh, I, you know, I just rely on the Holy Spirit, I'm like, really? All right, well, tell me what this word means in the Greek. Well, I don't know. Come on, just te- you know, dial into the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit certainly illuminates the word of God to us, but there's also the reality that we study. We look up words, we look up cultural context, we rightly divide the word of truth, and the Holy Spirit certainly helps in that process. Even when I study for sermons and Bible studies and the like, the Holy Spirit leads me to what words I need to look up and what cultural context I need to find out about so that I can show myself approved.
2: A perfect example of the culture reference is the Lady at the Well. Okay. You can read that. You can get some kind of feeling from that. But doesn't it add the context that the Samaritans and the Jews were separated, that it was unheard of for a a proper Jewish man to even speak to, to be in the same place to ask water from someone, it's like it's like us going up to a prostitute, a pastor going up to a prostitute and saying, hey, "Give me, give me, give me a drink of water." It doesn't, it it, it's, 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 it doesn't, it doesn't look right in in the grand scheme of things. You you can't get that necessarily from just reading it and feeling and your feelings. It, it it's something that requires. Well, the Holy Spirit can speak to you and say, "Hey, this is an important passage." But I think the context of what happened when it says and you will worship in spirit and truth, the gravity of that is expanded by the fact that they the the that the, their lack of, of of believing that he is God is what's separating them. The fact the fact that they had all the knowledge that we have and yet they did not bow to 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 God in the way that they should limited and barred them, that's something that adds to that. That, that, that. Every time I read it and I know more and more and more, it gets me closer and closer to what God has ex- expected and intended for us to know.
0: Right. And so you'd have to study to understand the Samaritan religion and the mm. mixture of Judaism and paganism together. And so why, you know why that was such a problem, because they were kind of hybrids and why the Jews looked down upon them, not that it was okay to do so. But uh, they were supposed to be a light to the Gentiles, and the Samaritans were at least half Gentile, but they really weren't a light to them um and so yeah, I mean, the Holy Spirit would just illuminate uh that passage, but there are still things that we have to look up and consider because we're removed from that time period of uh, in first century Judaism, and so we have to kind of go back to that time period so that we can understand. Uh, what was happening at the time, in order to wrap our minds around the truth, and then, therefore, we'll be able to apply it into our own lives.
2: Another another good example is the Good Samaritan. For a long time, I thought the Good Samaritan, all Samaritans were good. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't understand that it was kind of like this this marriage of no, they're they're considered bad, right? The, the good terrorists, you know, the good suicide <laughs> bomber, the good, you know, it, 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 I heard it so often, and that that reading it, I didn't get the the I, I had to I had to understand the dynamics. Right. You know, and, and once again, we're we're not we're not diminishing the Holy Spirit. We're we're not we're just saying scripture as 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 dictated to us what the role is. And 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 it's not diminishing to to say what the proper use is, overextending it and applying things to the Holy Spirit that, that doesn't apply
0: to it, that to us is, is a fatal error. So, yeah, Glenn, as you were speaking, uh, definitely the Holy Spirit is not removed from Scripture. Second um, Peter one twenty one: for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along or moved by the Holy Spirit. I mean, the Holy Spirit is the altar of scripture, so you can't disconnect them. And I heard an illustration one time that said um, the word of God are like the banks of a river and the Holy Spirit is like the river and the river will never overflow past the banks. Mm -hmm. And so if you want to know what's of the Holy Spirit and what's not of the Holy Spirit, what is the mechanism? What is the measurement? What's the tool that you must use to find that out? Well, you must use scripture to make sure that what you think the Holy Spirit is leading you to do is within the confines of scripture, Mm -hmm. unless you get a a person like this. Um, He says, you know what, Pastor? I think that uh, the Holy Spirit is leading me to divorce my wife. You say, really? Why is that? He says, well, you know, there's this other lady in the fifth pew back, and I really like her, and her name is Grace. And I opened the Bible, and it said, Grace to you. Oh, wait, is that
2: a good use or is it bad? <laughs>
0: that's a wrong, use. that's oh. a wrong use. Oh, I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, there's, you know, we can't um, all of a sudden just twist the Bible into what we want it to be and say what we want it to say. And the Holy Spirit told me this, you know, that's like the Mormons. They say they had a burning in their bosom and they therefore they know the Book of Mormon is true. I think they just had bad pizza the night before with some extra pepperoni, but they're calling it anchovies. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you know,
2: let's let's end it on on a good note. Like we're talking about what reformers, and we're telling you what, what 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 you know biblical scholars have said. But who had the highest view of scripture? I mean, that would be Jesus. Jesus. He referenced he referenced the Old Testament to the point where. He, 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 have you, he said something you can probably find a reference somewhere in a, a whole book. He referenced Psalms so many times. He, 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 the Sermon on the Mount, which we love so much, is it, you can find the parallels throughout Scripture, right? Sure. And 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 it, he felt like that. Look, G, what Jesus said is the literal, direct revelation from from God. Yes. Right? When he spoke, it was God speaking to us. And he chose more often than not to to re-say what God had said in the Old Testament.
0: Yeah, and and I think the best person to look at would be Christ himself, where John wrote, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made and then it tells us in verse 14 of John that the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory glory as of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth mm-hmm. and so the bible really affirms itself uh i believe the word is uh an axiom it's it it, it affirms itself and before somebody comes along and says, you know, that's circular reasoning, you know, I mean, that's like saying, well, you know, I can't look into Glenroy's apartment to make sure Glenroy is in there and say he's the owner of his apartment. There's nothing wrong with looking in your apartment to show that you are the person who owns your apartment. And there's nothing wrong with looking into the word of God to saying, therefore, it is the word of God and that it proves itself to be true but, all but, day, yeah, twice on Sunday.
2: Every, everything is circular reasoning because you need math to prove math. And you need science to prove science. You can't. <laughs> right. You can't use something else to prove the observable facts of the universe, and you can't use pizza to prove math. It's. It's. You use mathematical principle. You can use the allergy. The the, the analogy of it. You can use it as a prop, but it's still math. If you put two pieces of pies together, you, you rip them apart. or You cut them up. Same way. You. you there's no other thing in the universe that we say is a factual thing that we base ourselves off that doesn't... Dif- okay, how do we define a word? <laughs> Using other words. <laughs> yes. right. You know, and obviously as you get more and more skilled, you use different words to define a word, but you have to use words. Now, my ultimate point I think also is saying if Jesus, who had the ability to heal from a distance, heal with a touch... Um, know people, everything about a, a man just before he even comes up to him. Why are we in today saying, "I can heal," "I have the gift of prophecy," "I have the gift of tongues," and then somehow saying that's somehow above scripture? It's not, because right. God, who was in, if you, I know it doesn't make sense, but to say if there was a you a, a man who was above scripture who could. Do the things that you would say, hey, I'm going to listen to him rather than what scripture says. And was God, and he chose to use scripture.
0: Right, right. Jesus affirmed scripture time and time again. He said, You heard it was written of old, but I say unto you. You heard it was written of old, but I say unto you. And he wasn't changing the word of God. He was just putting a magnifying glass. Mm -hmm. So to show that, you know, hatred in the heart is murder, lust in the heart is adultery of the heart, and so on and so forth. So Jesus affirmed scripture. Matter of fact, he said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds to the mouth of God.
2: Amen. Amen.
0: Amen. Well, I hope that this was eye-opening for you, and I hope some of the uh, logic and the rationale that we brought forth uh, through Reformed Theology Part 2, and it looks like we're going to have a Part 3, I hope that this was helpful. I hope it, it was equipping um, for your mind, and I hope it was nourishment to your soul. We're going to be uh, looking to go to the G3 conference this year, and anyone that would like to support us and help us, um, we're going to be purchasing a table to be vendors there. The table is $900, so uh, any dollar toward that would be of most help. Uh, Myself and Glenn Roy and Brother Jose of Soul Fishing Ministries will all be going, and so uh, we would appreciate all the help that you can give us. Uh, Please keep us in your prayers. Uh, We certainly need it. (laughs) If you look at us, you'll see why. Um, But we thank you for your prayers. We thank you for all those that do financially support us. Uh, We really, really appreciate it. It is extremely helpful. And we do use those funds for the ministry. And we have been able to bless uh, other believers with the financial gifts that you've given through tracks and resources and books and things like that. And even giving things to non-believers, uh, such as when people die um, and they're a non-believer and they're grieving over their loved one. And we'll be able to give out some uh, books by James White called Grieving, which can be used as an evangelistic tool. So know that your funds are going toward very good use. And we want to do what what this podcast is all about. We want to point people back to the Word of God. We want to point people to the God of scripture at all times, because that is what keeps us afloat. The word of God is an anchor to our soul. And so if you have been someone that have caught the disease of laziness and you haven't been in your scripture lately, uh, do me a favor, go right after this podcast, go open your Bible and, and, and just, Get refreshed again and just drink deeply from the scriptures um, because we all need to hear from the word of the Lord. And the only way to do that is to read the scriptures. And if you're not in a good, faithful church, uh, please get yourself in a good, faithful church. If you want to contact us and you think your church uh, and the preaching thereof is a little shady, uh, you may be right. So um, please email us because it's very important that you're in a church that also holds a high view of scripture. If it's if it's really loosey goosey, um, it'll never do. Well thank you for taking this time to stop and think. If you would like to
1: contact us, please email us at stopandthinkcrew at gmail.com. You could also visit our website at www.stopandthinkpodcast.com. This podcast is listener-supported by generous people like you. You can give a tax-deductible donation at our affiliate ministry at www.soulfishingministries.org and click on our donate link to give securely through PayPal. Thank you for listening to Stop and Think About It.